So Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11, let's look at it together. As they approached Jerusalem, this is Jesus and his disciples, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me, and if anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did just as Jesus instructed them, and they brought the donkey and the colt, and they placed their cloaks on them. And Jesus sat on them, and a very large crowd spread their cloaks out on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went ahead of them and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. For most of us, or most of us that have been kind of raised or have grown up in church, we recognize these words. We recognize Palm Sunday as perhaps a day when the, the children come in with the palm branches and, and we talk about the fact that, that Jesus came in in this sort of triumphal injury. Uh, injury. <laughs> well, more so to say than that, right? Uh, entry. The funny thing about it is, is that all our Bibles are really marked that way. It's the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. But it's actually really surprising what's taking place. Jesus and his disciples are headed to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. They're all going there, much like the pilgrims from around the Judean countryside, to go and celebrate together. They're headed that way. They get to the Mount of Olives, which is just outside of Jerusalem, and Jesus tells two of them to go into town, and in town you will find a donkey and her baby, her foal. Bring them to me. If somebody gives you trouble, just tell them the Lord needs them. And sure enough, the disciples go and do that. They bring this donkey to Jesus. They lay their cloaks on him. And Jesus climbs on this donkey and he begins to ride into town. And Matthew tells us this took place to fulfill prophecy that comes out of Zechariah chapter 9. Where it says, your king will come to you riding on the foal of a donkey. Now, there's some really interesting things here that most of us at least are getting a a glimpse at, which is if Israel is expecting a king, a Messiah, they're expecting a political warrior hero, someone that would come into town with thunder, with applause, that would come and overthrow the Roman Empire and say, Israel is God's nation and I will rule. That's the Messiah they were anticipating, the chosen one of God that was going to redeem Israel in the line of David and rule like David. The problem is is that, that kings like that rode in on stallions. They rode in on horses. They came by chariots. They came with power. They came into the applause of a crowd with great anticipation. But Zechariah predicts that the Messiah, the king, would come riding into town on a donkey. Now, I don't know if you know a lot about donkeys, but donkeys are sort of the anti-horse. It's a sort of a mix of a, of a, of a half-horse. It's a mess. They're impossible to ride. They're stubborn as all get out. 
And here comes the Son of God riding into Jerusalem on a baby donkey. I mean, it's a crazy picture. This isn't what the Israelites are expecting. They're expecting a hero. This guy, Jesus, has been casting out demons and and causing the wind to stop blowing and and storms to cease and, and giving sight to the blind. They're expecting someone to come riding in with power. They're expecting that sort of moment of triumph. And it says that Jesus comes riding into town on a baby donkey. Which the irony here is really kind of hard to overlook. So the people gather, a large crowd. I mean, there's all kinds of people in town for Passover. They gather and it says that they lie in the streets and they run ahead. And they begin to chant, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they took their cloaks off and their coats and they laid them on the road. And some ran out and grabbed branches from the field. John calls them palm branches. Comes, comes in and they lay them on the street as a sign of victory and royal homage. They're paying homage to a king. Can you imagine this scene? I mean, thousands of people lining the road chanting Hosanna, which is really just a word that translates as save now. So save us now. O ye son of David, blessed. Laying these coats out and these palm branches on the road for this anticipated king that comes striding into town with a ragtag group of 12 people made up of tax collectors and fishermen with this royal king riding on a baby donkey. See, there was no doubt that the Israelites thought Jesus was the king, the Messiah, the one. The question really is, what kind of king? It's an interesting question, really. And it says that as he rode in, the crowds, as they came into Jerusalem, began to say, who is this? I mean, the people were going crazy. They're waving branches. They're laying their coats on the ground. Who is this? And the simple answer was, this is Jesus, the prophet of God from Nazareth. But the question's really important. Who is this? Who is this that we lay our coats on the road for? Who is this that we we take these palm branches of victory? Who is this? What kind of king is this? This is Jesus. I started really thinking about this question in my mind a a while back, really wrestling with this sort of same question that I believe a lot of us ask today, which is really, who is Jesus and what am I supposed to do with him? The reality is the question that the crowd's asking are the questions that you and I ask and at least have to come to, term, come to terms with at some point in time in our life. Which is, what am I going to do with the person of Jesus Christ? C.S. Lewis, theologian and author and former agnostic, says that this is the most important question we'll ever deal with. The most important question we'll ever deal with. Who is Jesus He says that we're going to come to a place in our life where we have to answer to the claims of Jesus. And Jesus makes several claims about himself. He also acknowledges several claims about himself. And they're really radical and significant. And at some point in time, we have to deal with them. See, all of us want to acknowledge that Jesus was a great teacher. 
We want to acknowledge that he had some kind of moral responsibility and that he taught a lot of things that were really radical and countercultural. And if we just paid attention to him today, the world might be a little better place. But at some point in time, we have to set the, the teaching of Jesus aside and deal with the acknowledgments and claims that he made, which are really, really radical. John 10 says Jesus claimed to be God. That he says, I and the Father are one. A few short days after Palm Sunday, when Jesus is on trial for his very life before Pontius Pilate, Pontius Pilate asks him and says, are you the Son of God, Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus says, yes, it is as you say. A claim that he also acknowledges and makes when Peter says it in Matthew 15, when he says, surely you are the Son of God. And Jesus says, Simon, son of Jonah, this was not revealed to you by man, but by God. And I could go all through Scripture showing you these claims. But Jesus claims to be God, claims to be the Son of God. And C.S. Lewis says that at some point in time, we've got to come face to face with that. See, the crowd is really asking this same question. Who is this guy, this Jesus, this person? We're expecting a king. Yeah, well, he's riding in on this donkey. What do we do with this person? Now remember, that same crowd that welcomed him and waved palm branches will kill him four days later. When they realize that he's not the king that they anticipated. They will shout to Pontius Pilate, give us Barabbas and crucify this one. Because Jesus doesn't come in a way that they want or expect. See, we've got to come face to face with that same set of questions. Which is at some point in time, we've got to put the teaching of Jesus aside and deal with his claims, his acknowledgments. C.S. Lewis goes on to sort of explain this, this dilemma, really saying that we have three ways we can answer that question. Josh McDowell, who's a modern theologian, actually kind of explains it a little further. And together they kind of call this the trilemma, which is sort of three ways that we can deal with this these claims of Christ. He says the first way that we can deal with these things is that we can believe that Jesus is a liar. That he actually is a lie, he actually is lying about being God. He knows that he's not God. He knows that he's not the son of God, and he's lying to all mankind, deceiving them, deceiving the people. Now I'm not going to explain or defend all these claims. I just want to frame the argument for you. But they say that, that we could really look at Jesus and say he's lying. The problem with that, of course, is that this week in history, Jesus rides into town. He ends up being betrayed, beaten, and crucified for a lie that he knows is a lie. And it's hard to buy into a moral teacher whose entire life is built on deception. But it's definitely plausible. I say the other way we can deal with this claim of Christ being God or God's Son is that we can believe that Jesus was absolutely delusional. That he was crazy. That he's a lunatic. That he actually thought he was God and he was crazy because he was just a person. Kind of like if somebody sat in here today and said, I am Napoleon. We think that person was crazy. They're not Napoleon. But Jesus could be crazy. Again, problem with that argument or the hard thing to understand about that argument is this is a, a, a Jesus that for 
centuries, thousands of years later, is setting captives free from mental bondage. That is teaching some of the most profound, radical things, yet is crazy about his very persona. But C.S. Lewis says you could deal with it that way. You could believe that Jesus was absolutely crazy. Hard to want to follow the teachings of a lunatic, though. So if Jesus isn't lying, and, and maybe he's not a lunatic, or if he is, he said, they said the third way we can deal with that is to actually believe that Jesus is who he says he is. That we can actually believe that Jesus is Lord. That his claims are true. And the events that unfold this week in history change history forever. That Jesus was God's son. That he was God in the flesh. That he did go to the cross, die, and then was raised for us. See, the reality at some point in time in our life is that we've got to come face to face with this question, who is Jesus? See, the crowd wanted a a political king. They wanted a, a king to ride in, a Messiah to come in and save us. Hosanna. Save us from this political oppression. Be the victorious king and conqueror. Do it on our terms, even though prophecy laid it out totally different. And, you know, we really approach Jesus the same way a lot of times. We want to believe in a Jesus that meets our social and political agendas. That doesn't cost us very much and that does life on our terms. We want to believe in Jesus when it's convenient and ignore the things that he says that aren't. But at some point in time, we've got to come face to face with what Jesus claims. And that is who is he really like it or not it's a question we all have to answer and this week in history is that defining kind of week or those moments where we have to decide what we really believe about Jesus Do we believe that he is who he said he is that he rode into town on a baby donkey to redeem mankind from sin And from their oppression of sinfulness. What do we do with Easter Sunday? Do we really want to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead to give us life? Do we really want to follow a God that's going to cost us our very lives? John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The truth is, the road to abundant, full life on earth and eternal life in heaven goes through Jesus, through this question, what do I believe about him? I want to leave us here today. Because I want us to unpack that question this week. I want you, whether you've been raised in church all your life, or whether this is your first time to ever step foot in a church, to deal this week with that question. What do I believe about Jesus, really? What do I believe about the things that unfolded this week in history? Because if I believe that Jesus is who He says He is, and this week changes everything. Everything. And so this week, I just want us to sit with it and say, Jesus, what do I do with you?
what do I do with you? I got this little video that's kind of simplistic in nature that I want to show you that I think is, is uh, well, it paints a really cool picture of what I believe took place this week and what I believe Scripture says. So we're going to invite our kiddos to come back, Kara, and uh, watch this with us because it's a cool video that I think paints that picture for all of us. But let's take a look at it together and really let this question, what do I believe about Jesus, sit on our hearts as we approach Easter together. Thousands of years ago, something happened that changed the world forever. Jesus and his disciples arrived at Jerusalem just in time for Passover. The people welcomed him as a king, even though he rode in on a donkey. Jesus had dinner with his disciples, where he told them his fate was to die for their sins, and then return to life as a champion over death. Jesus was betrayed with a kiss by one of his disciples named Judas and was handed over to his enemies. Then Jesus was beaten, tortured, and tried by an angry mob. They called Jesus a liar, a false prophet. His sentence was to die by hanging on a cross. Jesus was crucified on a hill outside the city, like a common criminal. As he died, he cried out, It is finished! Three days later, two of Jesus' followers went to visit the tomb where he was buried. An angel appeared and rolled away the stone. The tomb was empty. The angel told them that Jesus was no longer there. He was risen from the dead. Heaven rejoiced, and Jesus' friends shouted out for joy. Death has been defeated. Jesus lives. And when the time came for Jesus to ascend to heaven, he told the disciples to go and be his witnesses in all the earth of his death and resurrection, that through him, all can have eternal life. sing this last song together.
you saw the very day we'd fall away from you. How desperately we need to be redeemed. Lord Jesus, come lead us. We're desperate for your touch. Oh, great and mighty one, with the one desire we come, that you would reign, that you again come search our hearts and purify our lives we need your perfect love we need your discipline we're lost unless you guide us with your life Lord Jesus come lead us we're desperate
voices, sing that one last time with me. Let's lift up our hearts, lift up our voices loud, and let's declare this truth. Free. 